welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Uh, welcome. Good afternoon. My name is Gary. I'm a recovering sexaholic. My co-leader here is Mike. And the topic that we are sharing on is Tradition 7, Accepting Personal Responsibility. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this session is recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not want to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend another non-recorded meeting. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front and sit next to us here by the uh, to use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and do not touch it because it makes noise on the recording. Uh, let's begin with a moment of silence for all those still suffering or unable to attend the meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, in serenity, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Again, our topic is uh, Tradition 7, Accepting Personal Responsibility. Uh, we will uh, do a short share, probably five, six minutes, on how this topic applies to our lives, and then we'll open up the meeting for you to share. Um, you'll each have probably three minutes. Uh, we might even make that a bit longer, depending on how many people we have to share before we call time. Uh, we will need a timer when we get there. Is someone that can do that for us? Okay, thank you. And make your chairs. Okay. Hi, uh, I'm Mike. Uh, I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Mike. I'm powerless over lust. And uh, I uh, just want to just read the seventh tradition for a minute here. Uh, tradition seven every group ought to be. Fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And uh, I just want to say I have a little bit of anxiety about being here. This is the first time I've ever um, been uh, co-chair in a breakout session at a, at a convention. Uh, so I just... Um, and uh, Seventh Tradition... Uh, it's uh it seems like it's uh, pretty straightforward it's you know not very complicated but um in thinking about uh being self supporting um when i was uh still a child and uh my parents were divorcing at the, my age uh the age of 7 uh I I made a, a vow uh, somewhere in there that I was um, that I was going to be independent, that I was going to take care of myself, that I was never going to uh, rely on um, my parents or anyone else for uh, you know for my emotional uh, you know well being. And, uh, and that, um, and that, uh, as I went through my life, that I was, um, going to be able to, uh, manage my life, whether it was, uh, financially or, uh, emotionally or, or spiritually. And, um, and when I, uh, uh, in my adulthood, um, self-support uh, for me meant um, that I could, uh, you know, uh, earn a living, manage my bank account, 
and also be a people pleaser and try to, um, you know, uh, manipulate people in a way that I could uh, get what I wanted from them by, um, you know, through uh, different kinds of ruses, uh, and and that included, um, you know, uh, in my um, in, in my relationships with uh, with women that I could um, manipulate them and uh, somehow uh, you know talk them into having sex with me, and that was my. Um, that's my version of uh, that was my version of intimacy, and um, so that was my uh, ins- insane self. Um, you know, uh, uh, I guess my way of of being self-supporting and um and what i learned in in coming to sa and i've I've been in sa now for five years and um and i've been gratefully sober uh since i came came into sa and what i learned in my experience here in this in these rooms and in this program is that the seventh is that the seventh tradition says every group ought to be fully self-supporting and i have learned to be a part of a group i have learned to be a member of a group and and everything uh, new that I've learned is that I'm not um, that I am that with the help of my higher power and with the help of my um, and with the help of my fellowship members that I can be a part of and I can give. Uh, and and I can give of my uh, of my time and effort. And a lot of times I have a I, I have a struggle because I'm I I tend to be a loner and I tend to be um, uh, and I tend to be um, uh, I tend to isolate and um, and that's really poison for me. I have to be I have to be in a group. I have to. And, and and I have to give service, and the service for me is it's it's way more for me. It means way more for me, and I just hope that if I do uh, eventually, you know, help help others, that you know that that's part of my uh, that's part of what I, I give. But that I have to give because otherwise, I. Um, uh, I know that I will go backwards in this program, and I and I need to uh, keep uh, moving ahead. And and so th- um, I just um, just to to finish up. I I, I just want to uh, just restate for for myself that uh, that part of my that that really the the most important thing in my recovery is that uh, I help the group be self-supporting. I help others in my role as uh, you know to to contribute, and um, and that's really uh, that's really it. Thanks. Uh, my name's Gary, I'm a recovering sexaholic. Um, sobriety dates October 30th of 08. Um, and the topic when uh, they asked for some help on leading this session, I thought, well, could Tradition 7, it's pretty straightforward. I just, uh, 
you know, read it here, and I thought every SA group off to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. I always sort of thought of it. We're doing a seventh. This was about money. I said, it's kind of a tough topic to ask us to talk on. So about a week and a half ago, I fired off an email to the chap running this. Um, where are we here? Here we are. And uh, he sent this back, which totally changed the outlook. So I just wanted to, to share it a bit, and I'm going to... Um, work my comments around it. Um, and I would challenge of each of you to think about the questions and, and where it fits in for yourself and your own recovery. Do I accept personal responsibility within my group uh, so it is self-supporting? Do, do I do my share of the work? Do I apply this tradition to my home and family? Do I take responsibility within my family? Do I take personal responsibility with my relationships? Do I expect other members of my group or family to carry the load, or do I carry it myself? When I see something that needs to be done, do I do it or think not my job? I heard something on the radio talking about two childhood experiences that, that a long-term research project at Harvard showed to be the greatest contributors to career success, love, and chores. The chores part teaches kids that they have a responsibility to the larger family. On the job, the guy who sees something that needs doing and takes care of it because he feels a responsibility to the common good is a guy that gets promoted and successful. Take that idea and apply it to all areas of life. That's personal responsibility. And then he said, Wally, to hope that helped. Well, it helped a lot because uh, I was really struggling with how we're going to speak to the, what I envisioned to be the monetary part of it. Um, so for for me, applying this uh, little background, uh, I had a pretty normal upbringing. I've been self-employed uh, since 83. Um, been involved in some great coaching uh, that I've been able to receive. But uh, first marriage of 24 plus years, I you know pretty much was single from the get-go. Um, I won't run into details, but I initiated a divorce. Uh, met my new partner who's here with me today and I disclosed everything to her. I had a clean slate and I didn't stop my fantasizing and masturbation. Uh, and gradually the uh, habits came back until uh, Discovery and I am extremely grateful for Discovery and the fellowship. But in terms of personal responsibility uh, to my wife, um, you know, I caused this. Did she have a role? Of course, everybody, there's two sides to every story. But, you know, I caused this. I was the person that did it. Um, so many times, uh, um, you know, lying in bed beside each other, trying to get the courage to talk about it. I just didn't have the guts to do it. Um, had the guts to get out of a first marriage and cut net worth in half, but I didn't have the guts to, to my best friend, uh, and partner to, to be honest with her. So um, we joke about some of this stuff, you know, a little bit. Uh, um, but everything that happens is now my fault, whether she's always right, even when she's wrong. We, we joke about it a bit, but, you know, it, and it's my responsibility to make this right. And I just remember saying to her very early on after discovery, if you give me the chance, I will do everything I can to make this right. Um, my wife as forgive me, we've read on her vows. Um, she, um, I think, has uh, trusts me as much as the sexaholic can be trusted. Um, she realizes it's always, you know, one moment away that I could act out again. Her first husband was an alcoholic, so she had been, been through uh, that part before. Um, but that's my responsibility, and my recovery uh, from the start in this... Um, we could, you know, we said to each other, we can do all the therapy, which we did, and I can do all the recovery in the world and, and listen to sponsors, but at the end of the day, you know, it's up to the two of us, or me in my case, to get myself well. If I couldn't get myself well, the rest wasn't going to happen. So, you know, what did I have to do um, in my responsibility? So having said that, did all the therapy I could at the start, um, how my business didn't fall apart the first couple of years is just God's will. Um, I had been previously involved in service in a uh, service club in Rotary for about 30 years. It served every position other than president several times, and I just I turned that one down. Um, 
And so very early on, once I got on this fellowship, I quit Rotary. I just didn't have the time to do both. Um, at the local level, uh, again, very early on, I volunteered for one of the positions, and an old-timer said, maybe you should wait a few months before you take that on. And it was very good advice. Um, but, you know, shortly after that, I discovered uh, in the group that I'm in, uh, we have three meetings a week in my hometown. Turns out the meetings were like less than five minutes from my house. So, I mean, I could walk to the meetings. Um, that, you know, people just weren't stepping up doing jobs. We didn't have an intergroup rep. So I said, well, okay, well, what's involved in being the intergroup rep? And I started going to the meetings in Toronto. It's about a half hour, or I'm about an hour north of Toronto, which is where I live in Ontario. So I started driving down to the meetings, um, got down to that, and then they didn't have anybody uh, who was a nearer rep for the Northeast region and hadn't had for quite a while. So I said, what's involved in that? Well, it's a phone call maybe for an hour and a half every second month on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I said, yep, I'll do that. And then uh, they didn't have a delegate. <laughs> so you're getting the picture, okay? Um, but service for me on the responsibility, um, I owe my life to this program. I owe my marriage to it. Um, and I felt, you know, I had a personal responsibility to give back to it. Um, the spirituality part of the program, I was spiritually bankrupt when this uh, happened. Uh, one of our many nuclear nights in the initial stages, uh, I went up, we were downstairs in the rec room. Uh, There's no more talking anymore. I just kept saying, how could you do this to me? And you know, I did it. Um, I remember going upstairs, getting down on my knees, and I couldn't remember the words to the Lord's Prayer. That led to getting back involved in our church. Um, couple years after that, uh, I ended up on about a 24-hour period with a double strep ammonia that went septic. I had a near-death experience. Um, the following day was a miracle that I lived. Either the drugs worked or they didn't work. They shouldn't have worked um, at the time they got them into my system. So I just, I've been given a second chance. So, um, so from a marriage point of view, doing the right thing and you know, taking the responsibility and giving back. Uh, you know, I'm still involved in several other spots. I'm the co-chair for Toronto. And, um, I just finished my delegates uh, term, still sit on a couple of committees, uh, intergroup chair for Ontario, run the phones in Ontario within my local group. So I've got lots of service work. Just recently sold my company, so I've got a lot more time. Not retired yet, but sort of semi um, not going to take anything new on for the next year until I get this part settle in, but giving back and the, you know my personal responsibility on that is huge to me, and it's made a massive difference to my recovery. Um, from my own group, uh, I can bring back the experience I've had attending internationals and different conferences and try and you know um, promote that stuff as best I can and, and, you know, really try and push the service work in my, uh, in my business. You know, anybody else in here own their own business? Okay. Well, well there's no passing the buck. It stops at your chair. Okay. Whether you're a three person company, a hundred or a thousand, um, you know, it just, it, there's nobody else can go to, you know, you're responsible for overhead, you're responsible for personnel decisions, whatever it is. And if you're, if you're, uh, you make a mistake or your people make a mistake, it ends up on your desk. You got to deal with it. So there's no greater taking of responsibility in that context than running your own business. And, uh, so I've been used to doing that since 83, I guess. Um, so I think the business part of it has helped me with the seventh tradition that, you know, I am responsible. I, I get that. Um, doesn't mean that I like it. Um, <laughs> um, the having sold my business, the weight off my shoulders has been immense because it's always there. So um, I still have and will continue to have the responsibility to the fellowship, um, doing 12-step work and running things like this. Um, by the way, a little plug for Toronto. Hopefully we'll see you all up in Toronto in 2020. Um, we're quite looking forward to it. But the... Um, so, you know, what is my responsibility to my family, to my children? I, I've got more patience with them. How can I help? 
Um, my father is 89 in a retirement home. I look after his finances with my sister. Uh, how can I help my dad? It's tough to get dad out of the retirement home. That's his spot. He doesn't like to go out. So, but I take him to the doctor's appointment. I take him to dentist appointments and usually I can get him out for lunch after. It's about 10 minutes from my house, by the way. Um, my relationships, uh, I've got a, one of my best friends is in the fellowship and, um, is going through a real nasty divorce right now. Um, you know, I was talking to him two days ago. I said, I'm back in a week's time. I said, what about getting together on a Saturday night for dinner? Just to give him somebody to talk to because he's, uh, it's a tough one for him. He's married to his job, married to his money, and it's a big time financial divorce. Um, you know, do I expect other members of my group or family to carry the load? I uh, I do get frustrated at times within my home group or within our own uh, intergroup and other people not stepping up. But I've also learned that, uh, you know, I don't have to be shy. One of my character defects, I was always used to be afraid of conflict. I'm not anymore. Um, you know, I'll recruit them. I'll actively recruit them. Hey, will you step up and do this? I think I've got a responsibility to do that. Uh, never thought of that like a seventh step thing, but... Uh, Based on this, it is, and um, small things, you know, it's sort of not my job. Uh, it could be a little thing with my wife if I'm out and I'm driving, coming home from work, and, you know, need, is there something I can pick up? Even though my wife's been retired for a lot of years, so it used to be that was her job. She was the housekeeper. She got the groceries, okay? Um, she appreciates if I say, hey, can I pick something up for you? Okay, and it may not necessarily be what I want to pick up either. So, um, so for me, in I think all areas of life, um, you know, the main part for me is you know, have I accepted personal responsibility? You know, I can't pass that off to somebody else. You know, I cause this; I take full responsibility, um, and I will spend the rest of my life trying to make it right for my wife. So, anyways, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. You now have the uh, opportunity to share with the group. Please focus on the topic of the meeting. And uh, and that is uh, seventh tradition, accepting personal responsibility. Uh, like sharing in any essay, any, any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic, avoiding explicit description or distracting comments, and focusing on the solution rather than the problem. Please do not share anything that legally would have to be reported to the authorities. Please line up to your right so we don't have to wait for each person to come up. Please speak loud enough for all to hear. You will have... Uh, two to three minutes. Three minutes? Three minutes. I think three. Uh, to share. So... first one to come in, so I thought I had a right to be first. I'm Ron. I'm gratefully covering from sexual addiction. I'm in recovery since April of 2013. I'm very grateful to my higher power for that grace, for the help of my sponsor in our fellowship meetings. Uh, when I first think of the seventh tradition, I think of the financial kind of thing, which is focused on, actually, in one sense. And I think that's a really... Uh, to me, I've worked in a third world country for many years, and so I see the difference. We are really uh, living a life of luxury here, and we don't know it even though we think we're poor in many ways. And uh, this doesn't cost much for an individual to come in to get recovery, you know. And we are, we are able, many of us like myself, I'm, I'm seeing a therapist, you know, and, and paying money, you know. And many people in the developing worlds wouldn't be able to pay that at all. So I see this as a powerful gift, the 12-step gift in this uh, seventh tradition as very uh, powerful thing for the world. In fact, we are not the world, the United States of America. We're, we're a very small part, and two-thirds of the world are mostly illiterate and very poor. That's the first part. The other thing is about taking personal responsibility for myself. The way I interpreted that before recovery is that I'll do what I damn want to, well, please, you know, do it my own way. And what it means now is 
that I will ask for help and I will seek out help and I'll receive help and I'll be open to help. And the, the real breakthrough for me, even I started in recovery in 91 and going to meetings, but I didn't have a sponsor, which meant I just sort of followed my own way and not really worked the step. I read them and I thought I was working them, but I didn't really work them. So that is the real taking responsibilities there is to get that help and to use it. And and by the grace of God, I got a very powerful sponsor who spends hours with me, not just five minutes or ten minutes, but when we were working the steps, uh, uh, two or three hours in the morning. Just fantastic. So that that's one thing. And the other way I take responsibility, of course, is I, I'm also a sponsor to people. And something, uh, I could be in prison many times for what, the number of people I've offended and abused, but I'm not. And, uh, but one of the people that are really on my heart a lot are people in prisons. And I'm, I'm sponsoring some people in prison. Right now it's five people in prison and so on. And really just to hear from them and to see the prison conditions, it's just, uh, it just tears me apart. It, there doesn't seem to be much geared in any of the prisons that I'm related to to help the people to recover. It's just to punish them and, in fact, even one of the ones I write to, his counselor there told him, look, this is not my idea, but the prison idea is you don't recover, you don't get better, you go out and reoffend and come back again. So we make, we always have a job, you know, and just, uh, uh, so that's really on my heart and that's one thing I've reached out in the country that I worked in too. I was told to leave and not to come back, but I've been able to put together materials on addictions, alcohol, drugs, sex, and pornography, and to get it back there where they're uh, training young people in the, in the ministry that they would be, for, first of all, pers- for themselves personally as well as for their ministry later, they'll know what that there are diseases, and these are called, these are some of the diseases, and there are help for them, and there's 12-step for them. So I'm very grateful that I can take responsibility for that. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Mike Griffith, recovering sexaholic, and by the grace of God in this program, I'm a very, very happy sexaholic and have been since October 1999. Uh, I like this topic because uh, it talks about accepting personal responsibility. And I remember when I first came in the program, uh, I went to a couple, three meetings, and they were talking about all these assignments, seventh tradition, secretary and stuff, and, and it just went right over my head because I was just going to go long enough to get off probation, which would have been about 12 months to a year and a half. And uh, My therapist had different plans for me. I found a therapist the day after I, last time I acted out, and his first assignment for me was to go to NES meetings, so I went to several of them, one or two or three every day for a while. Then the next assignment was to get a sponsor, which I totally ignored at first. And then he said, does your wife know what's going on? No. I was in the program about a month. So don't come and see me until you bring her in with you. And I went home and on Monday night, I gave her this letter confessing or telling her what I'd done and I had my backpack because I thought she'd want me to leave. Uh, it was almost a, get, a given thing and my grandson was there, three-year-old, grand, three-year-old grandson, and she said, good, I'll help you get through this. And in my infinite wisdom, this is what I said. Good, because I got a meeting with my therapist tomorrow and I can't see him if you don't go there. And she said, I will go. So we met there, and she wouldn't even talk to me. So we went up the stairs, and she let the therapist have it for about three different meetings. And what that, that was the beginning of my recovery because I was too chicken to commit suicide. I tried it, and I wasn't successful and got arrested for it, for doing something illegal, sex uh, uh, sex-wise, and 
Then the next thing my therapist said, you need to get a sponsor. And I said, I don't want to. So on, I was meeting with him on Wednesdays or Thursday, I guess. And then on my Tuesday night meeting or Saturday meeting, I said, I hadn't picked a sponsor for over a week. And I finally did. And he was, he was a God gift to me and he's still my sponsor today. And through working the steps with him, instead of being on a 12 month program, I still haven't graduated. But the steps and the program of giving back, leading meetings and conducting meetings with one or no pe- nobody there has been a godsend to me. And right now I take meetings into prisons twice a week. And I'll tell you, it's been a blessing to me to go into the prison when there's nobody there or there's 10 or 15 guys there. And to see the looks on their face and the joy they get once they've written a step. So if you have anything, a responsibility for you is to do sponsor by mail or whatever the name is now, or find a way to go to a prison or to jail to visit somebody. It means a lot to them just to visit them. And, uh, and God's given me more than I really have deserved, but I love this fellowship. I love the service structure. And thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Mike. Hi, I'm Carlton Sexaholic. Um, I'm the uh, chair of the finance committee for uh, the fellowship. And uh, I also been recently tasked to prepare a pamphlet on finances for the fellowship. Um, and the first thing I did was turn to Tradition 7 and say, how can I take this? We're responsible, you know, self-supporting, and turn that into a pamphlet. And um, because basically all it says is that you keep the balance, checkbook balanced. Um, You know, you don't do anything you can't pay for. Um, so I said, well, I'll look at the other traditions. And um, then I found Tradition 5 that said our primary purpose is to spread the word. And so, and I have to thank Mike, because he's always been saying this. <laughs> what a... What are the needs to the fellowship? And uh, so being in those two positions gives me a viewpoint of the fellowship that I I truly treasure. Um, The needs are not the same. For example, we're developing, trying to develop a universal meeting locator. In Chicago, we have over 40 meetings a week. So our problem is, which one of the eight meetings today do I want to attend? You go to Russia, and there's like eight meetings in seven different time zones. (laughs) So you're just trying to find somebody that might be sober today that you can connect with via the internet or the telephone or and if, so it's totally different problems um, that we're trying to solve we also you know like I said in Chicago we have we have plenty of money there's incomes we have activities we're ginning you know we give money to Seiko we give it to our region we we do a lot of service work a lot of the places 
they're just trying to find some people to get together and maybe we can get a guest speaker to, to attract some people and try to develop a critical mass so we can start to carry our own weight. We saw this, I would say, five years ago when we were dealing with EMER. That's the European group, uh, intergroup or region. Um, they were just trying to get enough people started in Poland, Israel, Iran, um, just recently Czechoslovakia has got together. Germany's been there for a long time. Um, those people now are, do have critical mass. They're creating their own literature. They're doing their um, translations of their own material. They're sharing in their own material. We heard Cathal give his speech. Um, I think this is really great for the fellowship. And uh, so it's been a great opportunity for me personally to to be small part of making this all work together. And we appreciate your support. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks I'm Ken Timmigrave for Recovered Sexaholic. I promise to be fair, I've even started the, uh, the, the timer. Uh, the nature of my addiction is using and abusing boys and men physically, emotionally, and spiritually from the age of eight until I was 53 and entered the program of recovery where I got sober, found recovery, and accepted a power greater than myself that I call God that has restored me to sanity. Uh, I've been sexually sober since October 11th. It's October 10th, 2011. And that was my first acceptance of responsibility, personal responsibility, walking into these rooms. And my next step of personal responsibility was telling my wife I had walked into the room. She married me knowing. She's known, she knew for 31 years while I acted out while we were married. She stuck with it. And uh, when she came home on that trip, and I had to go to the meeting the next week, I had to go because I was going to be gone for uh, two weeks in Seattle, one of my favorite playgrounds, and I was going to be on business, and I had to go to that meeting. And I just said to her, I, I have to go to a meeting. And she said, what meeting? And I said, the Sexaholics Anonymous. And she said, thank you. <laughs> you know, is there something for me? And so the next step is recovery. Our next step of personal responsibility was to recover, was to just jump into this thing and go for it individually and as a couple, and not together necessarily. We were at odds most of the first two or three years. And then finally, we each found our footing and found our strength and found um, something that worked for us. And slowly but surely, we've come together. We both do a lot of service work. But as we've recovered, as I recovered, as she's recovered, we've recovered as a couple. And our son has begun to recover. He's actually engaging with us, even if he does now live on the other side of the country from where we live, had to run as far as he could. And I, how can I blame him? I have to leave him alone, you know, and let him live his life and grow on his own. So personal recovery is absolutely paramount to everything else that comes together, not the least of which is we've owned our own business for 25 years, almost 26 years, almost 27, I guess, and we've begun selling it off. She had health issues, and we. I looked at this, and I said, wait a minute, I'm no longer 25 or 30 years old. Uh, I'm not going to be around a whole lot longer. We need to make a decision on what to do with this stuff because I can't run this anymore. This is not, it's not me. So shedding myself of all of those trappings of life and who I think I ought to be helps me to recover and find out who God wants me to be. Thanks. Thank you.
Tax Clay. Two more shares. Marley Gray for recovering sexaholic. Sexually sober since June 18th of 98, day for which I can never be sufficiently grateful. Um, this, this aspect of personal responsibility, it's amazing after hearing a, a couple of chairs from people who have really given themselves to this fellowship, uh, the, the thought has come to me because I believe what it talks about in the seventh tradition is there was an opportunity for AA to take donations from well-meaning estates and companies to help out, and they said no. Uh, and there's still a whole unit of recovering alcoholics, possibly because of that. And then I hear about all the wonderful things that are happening to SA worldwide. And how can you grow a fellowship when there's almost nothing for them to grow with? You know, we've just, uh, um, and the GDA has just voted to accept a Latin America region into the fellowship that extends from the Mexican border to the tip of Chile. And they are very short on funds. And one of the comments I made was, do you know how many uh, Venezuelan Venezuelan boulevards it takes to make one dollar today, one American dollar? Well over a million. So what do you get? You know, how do you, how are you going to fund yourself to come to a GDA? You know, it, it comes to us in a way to be able to help those people who are still trying to get to a point where they can plug into this fellowship. And I want to go and take my money and help them. That's wrong. It really is wrong. But we as a group can start to facilitate that and deal with some of our time to give of them, to give to them so that we can facilitate their, their growth, what they need, their structure and everything else. And, uh, you know, for me, that's just an opportunity that I would never have been presented with unless I wasn't in this program. Sorry about that. And, uh, and I, I continue to be grateful for those kind of opportunities to grow beyond myself and to be responsible for the community of this planet that I live in, that, that I can do something to give back, because that keeps me sober today. Thank you. Thanks, Marlon. Thanks, Marlon. Time for one more chair. Sexaholic. Throw my two cents in a responsibility. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the leads. Appreciate everybody sharing. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I tend to think of the traditions in terms of the, in terms of the groups, and that yeah, it's about the, the group and the fellowship taking responsibility for itself. Part of it is so you know because it's typical for addicts to obviously not take responsibility and. Uh, and we want to present to those addicts coming in, as well as to the outside community, that uh, you know we're a responsible organization. Um, but I appreciated some of the shares just about uh, personal responsibility, and uh, um, you know, and having balance. There's a lot of responsibilities out there. There's a lot of priorities, you know, and and choosing. Uh, uh, you know, having the, the the right priorities. What's the most important thing to do uh, now, today? And uh, you know, uh, I suppose it's work the steps and stay sober and and, uh, and trust uh, trust God. Uh, you, know, you know, make the best decisions I can I can make. Um, uh, I also think that personal responsibility, sometimes letting go of responsibility, as as you guys have shared about, so that so that we can be self-supporting as a group, so others can step in. It was interesting with Farley sharing about the, you know, how can we be of assistance to to a group, and uh, and sometimes personal responsibility means helping, you know, helping another helping another group as a whole, you know. Uh, so it's. Uh, 
So it's been, a, it's a, uh, you know, I just appreciate all the sharing. And uh, so thanks, everybody. Thanks. 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 Thank you. Uh, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Let's all stand and say the third step prayer that is on the back of your schedules. I know the name. I met him, um, I think, at the Fall Marathon, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so we're, we're already rolling. We're on the website. Um, I had a meeting Thursday. There were three women in London. And I'm brand new. Like, I, I'm a week. I'm just like, I didn't even come, know about that. Good for you essay. coming to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, oh, yeah. I do have, like, I've been in Alamon for 11 years, so okay. I've got 12 steps. Yeah. But uh, this is my missing Missing piece, I've heard that a lot. I, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that AA was a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, the AA conventions have a completely different feel to them. The energy here is very different. Because when you remove the sexual tension, right, like that you get at an AA, I've never know, been there, but I can begin oh, to imagine there's that a there's a lot difference. of getting from everybody. Well, there can be, but it's the energy that you feel. It's just lurking there, you know. Even though they're working their alcohol sobriety, you can feel like sexual tension, or at least I can. Yeah. But here, it's not there. No. It's so different. I've seen the odd glimpse of it here over time, but almost. I could really see it quick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I'm the chair for Ontario. Uh, for another five or six months, and Ken's going to take I might go offload with the Ken earlier. Um, but yeah, any help you guys need? Um, there's not a lot of female members that you know. Um, two very strong ones in Sudbury, and that can be have one long term one in with another sex on life. So they've been together before I came to New York City. I'll try and uh, connect. Yeah, I can certainly hook you up with that. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Because um, any communication... I've met a lot of women this weekend, but they're all stateside. Right. So it would be nice to have some people yeah, in Ontario. So... Um, I can give you my contact information. Yeah, and, let me do... Feel free to pass it on. I, I've got a email address uh, for our group now that I'm using. So I'll put it there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we just put it in there. Just. Yeah. Um, I do. I I can give you my last name, or do I just put K? Okay. All right. 
instead of There's a lot of people um, you end up knowing their last names, but... Uh, I will give you my uh, cell phone number. Okay. Yeah, and I'll text you mine until yeah. you got it. and then our... Uh, I guess certainly on the phones. Um, I look after the phones for the province, so there's four of us. We just alternate. And but if it's female, then we send it up to one of these Sudbury. She handles the, the twelve step. You may have talked to her coming in. I I haven't talked to anyone yet. Uh, just Steve. Steve okay. in London. He's the one that approached me and okay. kind of got this rolling for me. Excellent. Is there any other information you no, need there? No, as long as I've got that, then when I get back to the room, I'll shoot you there. Uh, actually, I'll reach out to them. Oh, and we do have um, we do have a women's meeting. Okay. If you want to pass that yeah, along. Yeah, okay, so I've got that. Women's meeting, and it's in London. And you've got three already. Uh, three women, yeah. yeah. Thursdays, uh, right now... We're starting, it's going to be at 6.15 to 7.15. And, uh, there are yeah. three in Peterborough. Oh, okay. There's three that came to our spring conference. Okay. I, I'm not sure. I know two of them, because one of my sponsees is from Peterborough. Yeah. I know two of them are still uh, regulars over there. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's a couple more there, and I can put you in touch with Brad, or I can put you in touch with them. Okay. To sort of reach out. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you okay. came. And yeah. coming up to this is quick. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. What was your name? Again? Gary. Gary. Sorry. And you That's are right. in. I'm in Barry. In Barry. So, somehow they didn't put it Gary there. Gary and Barry. So, uh, <laughs> okay. I better make the couples meeting, or my wife will shoot me. But she said. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.